And now, the show that bridges the gap between faith and business. Welcome to Bottom Line Faith. On today's show, Jason Junkins, president of Southern Immediate Care. Be true to what God has called you to do, regardless of the outside noise. If God has called you to a certain area, follow His voice. And whatever that is, He'll make a way. Hello, everyone. This is Ray Hilbert. I am your host here at Bottom Line Faith, and we would like to welcome you to our program today. And if you are a first-time listener, welcome. We are so glad you've joined us. You can check out uh, many of our other interviews at our website, bottomlinefaith.org. And if you're not currently a subscriber to the program, and you would like to do so, you can do that at the Google Play Store. You can do that at iTunes, Stitcher, and most of the uh, other platforms where you can subscribe for your favorite podcasts. If you are a Christ follower and uh, you're looking for community with other um, followers of Christ who want to live out their faith and business and grow their companies and organizations on proven biblical principles and practices, we would like to ask you to check out our website, truthatwork.org. Truthatwork.org. Truthatwork is the host ministry here at Bottom Line Faith, and we'd love to chat with you and possibly connect you with one of our dozens of roundtables in cities all across the country. Listen, if you're a long-time listener, welcome back. And if you're a first-time listener, glad you could join us. This is the program where we have the opportunity, we travel across the country, we interview some of the most amazing thought leaders who are Christ followers living out their faith in business and in the marketplace. And and kind of the analogy we like to use here at Bottom Line Faith is this is where we're going to lift the hood and we're going to tinker around like a mechanic would. But our our engine that we're tinkering around with is the engine of leadership of Christ followers in the marketplace. We learn how they think, how they uh, deal with their failure, how they live out their faith on a daily basis. And so I think you're going to have a great time today. I am in beautiful, beautiful Birmingham, Alabama. We are so blessed and privileged to be down, uh, as I say, not only in the Bible Belt, but in the polished buckle of the Bible Belt here in in Alabama. And my guest today, my friend and soon-to-be-your-friend, is Jason Junkins. Jason is the president of Southern Immediate Care. Jason, welcome to Bottom Line Faith. Well, thank you for having me. Well, you you and I have had a chance over the years to speak on the phone, and uh, this first time we've had a chance to sit down face-to-face, so I kind of feel like acquaintances or, or friendship being renewed or built here. Uh, just take just a couple of moments here and, and give our audience a little bit of framework about your background. Where'd you grow up? Uh, a little bit about your home life growing up, uh, when you came to Christ. Just just give us a foundation, a little bit of who you are. Okay, sure will. Uh, I uh, was raised here in Alabama. I was born in Center, Alabama, a small town up in northeast Alabama, about 5,000 people. And uh, went to uh, Cherokee County High School. Have one sister and, uh, of course, two parents. And uh, and uh, went to Jacksonville State University as, to do my undergraduate work. And then uh, later on to UAB to medical school. And then University of South Alabama to do my residency. Then moved back up to North Alabama to establish practice. I've been practiced there since 2001. Okay, so we're talking to a real live medical doctor, folks, and this is what's really fun. We've had attorneys, we've had uh, CPAs, other professionals, and so we're going to get a really unique perspective of a Christ follower who is in the world of medical practice. And so why don't you tell, tell us just a little bit about uh, what is Southern Immediate Care? 
Well, Southern Immediate Care is a, a private practice. Uh, we started the practice uh, back in April of this year. Uh, it's uh, primarily urgent care, and then we also do some primary care as well. Originally, it was going to be exclusively urgent care, but as we after we opened up the practice and we saw the patient demographic there, uh, we realized there was a, a ton of unmet primary care needs, and so we had the space, we had the infrastructure, so we started doing primary care along with urgent care. So we're open seven days a week from 8 in the morning till 10 at night and uh, closed five days a year, so we're just trying to provide access to those that don't really have uh, any other way to get medical care. I, I, I'm really fascinated as I've watched and get a chance to travel around the country. We're seeing more and more of these types of facilities, right, as opposed to necessarily relying on emergency rooms and so on and so forth. What, what's the underlying um, philosophy or idea behind these local immediate care centers? What, what, what niche is that really designed to fill? Well, I believe the biggest thing that you're seeing with these places springing up everywhere is it's becoming, and as a medical professional, I don't necessarily like it, but it's the way it is, is becoming much more of a retail business. Uh, the, as, as the target population of patients that we serve get into that medical decision-making age, what we're seeing is these younger patients, it's more now access, uh, now delivery. There's not much in the way of calling your doctor up anymore and waiting a week to be seen and worked into the clinic and getting an appointment. People are busy, they have families to feed, they can't miss work, and they have to be seen right then. So it's really become a very retail uh, market. And so in order to meet the needs of uh, patients' desires, uh, the urgent care has come come forth. Uh, one of the largest, uh, well, it may be the largest, but one of the largest privately owned urgent care companies is based here in Birmingham, and, and that's one of the reasons they were originally established, just to have sort of accessible primary care. Well, it's it's really interesting because, uh, you know, as I've talked um, with other uh, uh, physicians and attorneys and dentists and so forth, um, very few of them have any any sort of business training that's offered, you know, as part of their, their medical school experience. And it sounds like maybe that was the case for you as well? Yeah, we had none, none. I remember the first time I, I ever was handed a chart as a resident where they said, well, here, circle the code that you want us to bill for this. I don't know what, so I just circled one. So, you know, you get <laughs> you got zero when I was going through. I think now they're actually starting to do a little bit of soft business training for uh for medical students now but it's it's still essentially nothing especially especially in the medical world now the billing is so complex uh that that you you really almost have to have a, a specialized degree in it yeah. almost and, and how about things like leadership training people skills management did you receive any of that kind of training in your formal education process none no no formal training uh the only real training you got with that is is if you developed a mentorship relationship with one of your attending physicians or something uh, but even then that was few and far between so kind of interesting right because as we we talk with folks about what sets one doctor apart from another quite often it's those people skills it's that quote-unquote bedside manner and I guess you're kind of left on your own as a budding physician whether you got it or you don't huh oh yeah you really do you're just sort of out there flapping in the breeze and and i think you see a <laughs> lot of people uh, going to work for other people now a lot of physicians work as employees now just because of that 
fact. They either they don't have the uh, the the know-how or they don't have the desire to get the know-how to do it. It's just a lot easier to just go see patients. You betcha, you betcha, folks. We are speaking with Jason Junkins. He is the uh, CEO and founder, uh, president at Southern Immediate Care. We're down in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, Jason, let, let's let's transition our conversation just for a moment here. Uh, let's talk about your Christian faith. Let's talk about how do you try to live out your faith in a daily basis in running your company and interacting with your patients? What's that look like? Well, it should look better than it usually does, but <laughs> but uh, you know we're all human. But you know one thing I really learned is is as as I was going through medical school and then as I got into business when I first got out and got in, uh, started practicing, you're at, you're at that younger age where you're building a lot and you're climbing the ladder, you're doing all those things. And personally, I, I don't, although I was a Christian, I was not where I should have been, but I was focusing way too much on the outcome. I was focusing way too much on, uh, you know, retirement, you know, putting away for retirement, building a house, building a family, doing all these things. Um, Yet, God in his faithfulness, uh, uh, he, he took care of us, and, and we did have, have always done well, even in the lean times. And so when I sold my business back in 2014, and that's when you and I first met, yeah. um, is when I realized it's like you've sort of reached the top of the ladder. It's sort of like the old saying goes, you reach the top of the ladder, only realize you're on the wrong ladder. And... Um, and I realized that there was just so much more to it than just going to work every day, just seeing patients, just making money. And so what really happened to me in 2014 was a, a pivotal time in my life where my focus changed. And I had a no-compete period after I sold my business in 2014. And so it gave me some time to slow down and really reevaluate where I was and God just really showed me that our focus needs to be very simply love God, love other people. And then the question was, is how do we do that? How does he want us to do that? And so God has given me the gift of being a doctor and then uh, being able to run a business. So God has led us down this path to this new clinic. And so we've opened it. And our, our biggest goal, and I say ours, my wife's a nurse practitioner, my best friend, soulmate. She's right there with me in the thick and thin of everything. And uh, and if I ever come up missing, she'll probably be the one to look for. <laughs> she, <laughs> some of my harebrained schemes. But our goal is to really invest ourselves in the lives of the people that we work with yeah. and then and then as it goes out into our patients and so each day we get up and we want to say how would god handle that how would how would god have us handle that and so um whether it's a death in the family of one of our employees whether it's uh, a patient who just doesn't have any money that day you know you can't give everything away but but where we can to do something, uh, we've uh, tried to invest in the, the school systems there. Uh, another, and actually the the biggest thing where we are is because in this practice is we had a much different payer mix of people. We have a, a much lower income patient population than we had with our other clinics. And I think God did that by design because nobody would have really chosen to put an urgent care where we did. And when, as we did that, we found out that there's these primary care needs that aren't being met. 
when these patients come in with the stories saying, I can't get in to see my doctor, you know, their blood pressure's out the roof. And so we've really found a mission. It's almost like going to a third world country mm-hmm. uh, and seeing some of the things we see on a daily basis in an urban area in Alabama. It, it sounds to me, feels to me like you genuinely view this as your mission field, that God has uniquely called and equipped and qualified you for it. Would that be true? I believe that. I, I really do. I believe this is this is where my mission is. I used to feel bad as as a young Christian uh, growing up. I never really felt a lot of desire to go to third world countries and everything. And I felt a lot of guilt for that for a long time. And I thought, what is the matter with me? I must not be a Christian if I don't <laughs> want to go serve in, you know, some uh, desolate land. But then I realized that uh, God doesn't call all of us to do that. But in our little radius right here, we have our own third world countries everywhere we look right here that can use our help. And that's what we really truly feel like God's called us to do. That's incredible. And so um, if you could take us back, uh, you were talking about that time when you know, things were failing. Uh, you had to get a second job to make ends meet and so on and so forth. Uh, what did that season of your life teach you about yourself? What did you learn about yourself? And or what did you learn about the Lord during that season? Well, I learned a lot about myself, and that's that I didn't like uh, the person I became when I got under stress. But in God's infinite wisdom and God's... uh, And what did that look like for you? You say under stress. How did you behave? How did you think? How did you interact with people? What was that like? Generally, I'm just a happy-go-lucky guy, you know, have a lot of fun, uh, smile a lot. During those times, I, I, I I felt like it was very dark. Uh, I didn't feel like I, I laughed. I cut up. I didn't smile. Uh, I didn't feel like I would go the extra mile uh, for people. You, you become somewhat in, withdrawn and, yeah. uh, and about yourself. And I didn't like that. But the one thing I did learn is that during that time, honest to goodness, even as a physician in, the, in, the, in this country, there were days we, I didn't know if I was going to be able to pay the next bill. And uh, But God was... Very, very faithful every single time, and he never missed them. And I'll tell you this, too, and, and I know there's a lot of different people have a lot of different ways of, uh, of uh, thinking about tithing and uh, uh, the financial management of money that God has given them to manage. I was a terrible tither. Uh, you know, just, just it, it was on the bottom line and not the top line. And so um, one thing, and I'm not saying that God turned anything around because of this, but we had already gotten out of that bad situation, but it wasn't far out of it. My wife and I made a decision. We said, you know what? It doesn't matter if we have to sell our house, whatever we're going to do. This is God's money. We're going to start today tithing. And let me tell you what. God has never, ever, ever let us do without. So going back to what you asked, that is the the biggest thing that I learned through all of this is that God's faithfulness never ends no matter what. As we said earlier, one of the things we want to do in this program is encourage folks, you know. So there may be someone right now who's listening and so what would you, what word of encouragement would you say to someone who just feels like they've got more month than money and yet Maybe God's touching their heart about trusting Him in the financial side of things. What would you say to them? I'd say just do it. Just jump off the cliff. I can promise you, and I don't know who who might be listening out here, 
But I can promise you that even though we as individuals don't always live like God's word is is truth, it is true. And God will not let his he will not let you go down. He will he will be faithful to you. Um, I, I don't believe in a prosperity gospel where you give one and you get 10 back. I don't believe in that at all. But I do not believe if you tithe with a sincerity of heart because you want to worship the Lord with your money that he will let you do without. He will make, Now, he might not provide for your next Porsche, but he will, he will certainly meet all of our needs no matter what, <laughs> what those so are. So was that scary that day, you, you and your wife, you made that decision? Was that scary? Was it hard writing that first check, that next check? What, what was that like? You know, it, it's interesting. It, it's like, wow, that's a big check. But it was actually very liberating to, to finally do the right thing and to start, start being faithful yeah. in that area of, of our lives. And uh, it was, it, it, I mean, yeah, I was a little nervous. It's like, well, God, we're going we're gonna to trust you on this. And, but it was very liberating, and, uh, and we've never looked back. And it's been, it's been one of the great, and that's, that's all glory to God and not to us. Uh, but, but once you get, it's just like saving money or whatever. Once you get in that habit, uh, it, it just becomes a worshipful thing. And then when you're able to see the fruits of what that money does in your church or whatever organization you're giving it to, you're able to really appreciate how God uses that money for other things. I was in another part of the country doing an interview a couple of days ago with the business owner, and he was telling the story very early on in his company that um, he had his major customer went bankrupt. And literally, and it was very early on when cash flow was already tight with a startup, but it was $360,000, and he says, I remember coming home and walking into the kitchen and telling my wife that we may be losing everything. And uh, this $360,000, we're not going to get paid for this. I think the company may fold. Uh, uh, we may lose our house. We may have to do this. We may have to do that. And he said, my wife just had her back to me, and she's washing dishes. And when I got done talking, he says, she turned around and looked at me, and she says, well... It wasn't our money to begin with. <laughs> That's exactly right. And he said that, the word you used, liberating, is what he said. He said, that was so liberating, he said, because God had already prepared my wife's heart, already spoken to her, and he said, I just needed to hear that. And he said, that has changed the way I do my business. That's what he was saying. He said, when you understand it's not yours, it's God's anyway, you're really just kind of like giving him back a portion of what he's lent to mm-hmm. us to use. Kind of, that's the perspective that I'm hearing here. Mm-hmm. It really is, and and you know we we're just like everybody else. You know, it, it yeah. ebbs and flows, and 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 money's tight, and there's there's things we want to play with it with, but uh, but we, you know, God God is always faithful. You betcha, you betcha. So let's let's talk a little bit about you know we're in the news. There's a lot of discussion about the state of healthcare in our country. Uh, what's going to happen, what's not going to happen with Washington, D.C., and new laws and this, that, and the other. What do you see? Um, this? How does this playing out in the lives of everyday people? How is this playing out in the lives of your fellow physicians and healthcare providers? What insights could you give us around that? I, I'm just curious on that. Well, I think we're in a big mess, uh, clearly, and, um, and I do believe that um, the politicians in general are not— aware of all the the different things that are going on at the individual level. We see people every day that can't afford their deductibles. They have these really high deductibles just because they have to get that because the uh, in order to be able to afford the premiums. Um, in a state like Alabama, where you're dominated by one or two big companies, uh, it's it can be a challenge on some. 
So I'm interested to see what they do. I'm not very encouraged that they're going to uh, make a lasting change. The problem is, is because the way to fix it, there's going to be a generation of people that are going to feel the pain. And those people happen to vote. And so yeah. nobody is willing to, to take that step. You know, it's, it's funny to me, and I get on my soapbox here, uh, asking an insurance company to pay for a doctor's office visit to me is like asking your your homeowner's insurance to pay for you to get your grass cut. I think that, uh, and I think most most healthcare people would would echo this that insurances should be meant for catastrophic things, yep. and people should uh, pay for doctor's visits and things like that with cash. If they did that, then I'd be able to get rid of about 75% of my infrastructure and cost. And then instead of a doctor's visit costing $150 or whatever it is, it, it cost 50 or 30 yeah, or yeah. something like that because your overhead would be so much lower. Uh, I don't think it's ever going to change anything. And, and then when you get into the whole Medicare thing, uh, you can't let that population of people do without. So I don't know what the answers are. I don't think that people are going to make a lasting change though they'll 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 tweak it a little bit here and there yeah and are you seeing um more individuals wanting to enter the the practice of medicine or less or what do you see about future trends there you know the trends are they're still going up the okay. applicant pools are going up uh, every day uh i mean these guys are smart too I, I wouldn't stand a chance if i applied to medical school these days these guys are sharp <laughs> but what you're seeing as a result of a lot of this healthcare debacle that's going on in the uh, payment on the financial side of it yeah. is that nobody wants to do primary care because that's your lowest paying uh, specialty. Um, everybody wants to be uh, uh, some type of specialist. And uh, and who can blame them? The, they, they make more money. They work less hours in, in general. Uh, certainly the pay they get is commensurate with the hours they work. If they work harder, they get paid more. Primary care currently in its current state is, uh, um, it, you're, you're bludgeoned with paperwork that you don't get reimbursed by the insurance companies for. It's, uh, tends to be low pay and long hours. Uh, and, uh, so I do think you're going to see a shortfall of primary care okay, physicians okay, yeah. as time progresses. We're already seeing it. And, and that's where people like us come in and we're, that's our volumes keep going up and up and up, but not so much with urgent care patients as much as, you know, I don't have anybody to write my blood pressure medicine. I don't have anybody to write my diabetes medicine. And it'll be interesting too, um, how the role of technology in some of this, you know, I, I recently was interviewing a top level executive out at Google and he was telling me about a contact lens that they're developing and they're getting ready to get approval on this that will be able to measure all insulin levels and so on and so forth and regulate all of that through an app. That is amazing. I was blown away, right? <laughs> so it'll be interesting to just see how technology interplays with all this and the developments there combined with just the economic side of all this. So you know, I appreciate you just giving us a little bit of insight because one of the things, you know, from time to time we get someone like yourself who's in a very interesting niche in their career and in what God's called them to do, and they can bring a unique perspective. And, and so I appreciate some insight there. Uh, gosh, folks, we call this the fastest 30 minutes around, and we're, we are nearing, believe it or not, close to the end of our time with with Jason. And by the way, if you want to learn more about Jason and his company, Jason, what's the website where they can check you out? 
It's uh, www.southernimmediatecare.com. Southernimmediatecare.com is where you can learn more about Jason Junkins. He is the president of Southern Immediate Care in Alabama. And so, um, Jason, just time for a couple more questions here. What advice would you have? What encouragement would you have for someone who's listening to the program and they're they're feeling like God's calling them somehow, some way, shape, or form that he would want to use them more in the marketplace, no matter what their career is? They could be a a white-collar professional. They could be in blue-collar manufacturing. They could be a police officer, a business owner, what have you. But if they're listening to the program, what words of encouragement would you have for them and how they can serve the Lord every day at work? Well, the, one of the biggest things I would say is is that, that whoever is, is feeling led by the Lord to do something is be true to what God has called you to do, regardless of the outside noise. Uh, one of the things I've seen through the years is there's an awful lot of experts out there on your own personal life. And so if God has called you to a certain area, follow his voice. And whatever that is, he'll make a way. Uh, I've seen some miraculous things uh, in my limited time on this earth, and 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 we know that God is at work, and He is still at work, and He's never let up. And so I would just encourage somebody: just listen to that still small voice and follow that, and uh, and God will make a way. It's obedience. Obedience, exactly. Yeah, right. And maybe following the prompting, and it doesn't have to be some big thing. It could just be. You know, offering to pray with that coworker, or you know, just a smile, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Sometimes I think we look for these big, grandiose things, and that's that's the only thing we look for God to use us in. But it is those, as you said, the still small voice, just as much. It is. It is. I I tell our our people at our office that uh, it's very simple. Medicine, pe- so much of what people want out of medicine. Is, is as much emotional and psychological as it is physical. And I, I tell our people it's very simple. You practice good medicine, you're fast about it, but then most of all, you're nice. As long as you be nice to people, that's that's people people want people to be nice to them. And so I think you're exactly right. Just, just kindness goes so far. That's good. Great stuff. So um, if you're a longtime listener here at Bottom Line Faith, you know that uh, we have one question that we ask every guest, and that's the end, it is at the end of every interview. And it's what we like to call our 423 question. It's based out of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, that these are the words of Solomon. The Bible describes him as the wisest man who ever lived. And he says this, he says, Above all else, guard your heart, for from it flows the wellspring of life. So Jason, let's kind of fast forward the clock, and let's say that you're near uh, the end of this side of eternity for you, and you have a chance to gather your family, your friends, and your loved ones, and you're going to have the opportunity to pass along your legacy advice, your one piece of advice. Above all else, have integrity. Do the right thing. No matter who's watching, no matter what you're doing, no matter if it costs you money, no matter if it costs you time, no matter if it costs you heartache, do the right thing. And if you do the right thing, you will always win. And then lastly, be nice to people. You just, you can't, you can't, you can never finish a a conversation without saying just be nice to people. Just be nice. I love it. I love it. Uh, Tony Dungy says this, um, he says, it is never the wrong time to do the right thing. 
That's exactly right. right. And I'm just as I'm listening to your counsel and advice there, that is what we're talking about there. Just do the right thing. Just do the right thing. And be nice. Mm-hmm. I think if more people did that, it'd just be a much much more pleasant place to live. <laughs> For all of us. And, and maybe some of us wouldn't mind seeing the doctor so often <laughs> <Exactly>. either, right? <laughs> well, thank you, Jason, for being on the program. Thank you. What an honor. It's been I fun. appreciate it. It's it been, been fun, and it's been so nice to have a chance to sit down. We've been talking with Jason Junkins, the president of Southern Immediate Care. If you want to learn more about Jason and his company, you can check them out online at southernimmediatecare.com. Com. Well, folks, this is Ray Hilbert. I am your host here at Bottom Line Faith. Check out all of our other interviews. We've been with some amazing Christ-following business leaders over the last several months. Check us out at bottomlinefaith.org. You can scroll down to the bottom of the page there, and you can subscribe to the podcast that comes out on a weekly basis. You can also follow us on our social at um, on Facebook and Twitter and, and all the social sites there. You can learn about all that at Bottom Line Faith. Also, just want to remind Remind you that the host ministry for Bottom Line Faith is Truth at Work. And uh, if you're interested, if you're a Christ following business owner like Jason, and uh, you want to know what that means to uh, live out your faith and build your company on biblical principles and practices, check it out. Learn about our roundtable program. There's chapters and groups. Hundreds and hundreds of businesses across the country are involved in our roundtable group. So check that out at truthatwork.org. Well, until next time, I am your host, Ray Hilbert at Bottom Line Faith. Thanks for joining us. God bless, and go serve God in the marketplace. We'll see you soon. Bottom Line Faith is brought to you by Truth at Work. If you'd like to hear about new episodes or listen to past episodes, visit us online at bottomlinefaith.org. You can also subscribe to the show through Google Play and iTunes.